Hope you had a great holiday weekend, and welcome to Cal Lutheran here in Thousand Oaks with a Super Bowl champion, DeMarco Farr. I'm J.B. Long, and this is the Week 13 edition of the Coach McVay Show, the Los Angeles Rams, coming off a 26-20 win over the New Orleans Saints, snapping the Saints' eight-game winning streak and clinching at least a 500 season. Plenty more out there, but we begin the conversation uh, with Coach McVay by uh, wishing you a belated Thanksgiving uh, weekend. Congratulations on the victory to cap it. Hope you got some good time in with your friends and family. Yeah, we did. I appreciate that. Same to you guys. It was a good uh, any time that you're able to win, and we had a lot of family in town to be able to enjoy that. It makes last night a lot more enjoyable. It was a good Thanksgiving, and uh, you know a lot of blessings to be thankful for. And, and yesterday was a very good day for us all. How was the corn souffle? Uh, we oh, didn't good make follow it. Up. You didn't we, make the corn souffle. I'm impressed you remember that. Yeah, I, I thought we'd have some right here. Yeah, we it, talked you know about what? it. We didn't. Uh, my my mom and and my girlfriend Veronica did a great job of putting together a a large spread for a lot of people that were in town. And, awesome. Uh, we do have some Gelsons to partially thank for that as well. <laughs> Amen. Right. So, it was good though. Awesome. We, we had a lot of fun. We talked about this in the locker room following your victory over the Saints. Responding to adversity was kind of the theme of that week coming home and both individually and collectively it seemed like you were able to execute that vision. Yeah, it was a great job by the players. You know, really pleased with just like we talked about last week, you know, the way that we responded immediately after a disappointing outcome against the Vikings, uh, knowing that we had to gather ourselves together, look at the tape, learn from it and move forward and have a great week of preparation going into a, a game against a team that had won eight in a row, uh, really playing well on both phases on offense and defense, very tough special teams. And uh, yesterday we saw it, w- it was a grind, but I thought our guys came out. Uh, they did an excellent job, and, and it took a complete game to be able to win against a great opponent like that, and, and we feel fortunate to come away with the result we wanted yesterday. Well, we were talking about when you left last Monday and how you gave your teeth a workout. You were grinding. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you, were, you were hot. So I wonder about you. When you left this room, your prep, getting ready for, for the Saints. How did you guys do as coaches? Yeah, we did it. You know, try to take the same approach that you do where, you know, you look at the mistakes that you made, you know, me specifically, a lot of the poor decisions and, and spots that I put our guys in, and you try to avoid those. And each week presents an opportunity to learn and grow, and we ask our players to do that. And like you've heard us say before, you know, that's what we try to do as coaches. And, and the challenge is can we make sure that we're putting them in good spots, try to have a good plan that gives them a chance to execute at a high level. And I thought our coaching staff as a whole did a really nice job. You look at some of the returns that Bones set up, uh, for Farrow, I thought they executed those very well where he's got a plus 40 punt return, plus 40 kick return. Those plays were huge for our field position uh, defensively to be able to hold a, an offense like that the way they did to go three for 13 on third downs. And then, you know, you had the one play by by Kamara and then the two-minute drive. But I thought they, they flew around. Uh, you saw great effort and energy. And, and you know, the, the plays that got get you the most excited are some of those that force them just to snap it one more time and ends up resulting in four-point plays. I know we'll talk about that uh, as the show progresses and, and then offensively really pleased with just a lot of different individuals you talk about the way Cooper Cup responded love that uh, being able to put the game in Jared's hands and, and him deliver and make good decisions we kind of had the one freak tip pick but I thought just overall where you know we're a little bit heavy pass to, to run but that was kind of by design because of the confidence we have in our players and, and what we felt like was going to be the best way to move the football uh, coach McVay just alluded to it we will break down offense defense and special teams as we always do we'll have a segment called audibles with your direct line to the head coach questions from our audience and we'll preview a trip to Arizona second matchup with the Cardinals this season uh, it's a strange thing to tout eight wins you know clinching a 500 record but it hasn't happened for this franchise in more than a decade you haven't been a part of that most of your players haven't been a part of that but some have experienced an extended streak of losing seasons can you sense 
a feeling of getting over the hump for some of the veterans who have been with the Rams for a while? I think what you sense is, is a growing confidence and a belief and an expectation on that when we prepare for you know each game, uh, we have the expectation that we want to try to come away with the result, and, and that's winning a football game. And uh, I think the thing that's been so fun just to be able to watch is, is the, the confidence that these players have, the way that they are connected as a team. I think you can truly feel it. And then, like we've mentioned, the way that they respond when things don't always go our way, whether that be an actual outcome from a loss or an actual play that doesn't go the way we want. I think you've seen guys just kind of uh, have that mental toughness, show a, a resilient mindset and mentality, and, and those are things that you're proud of, and, and you're just pleased to be able to, to be a small part of it. And, and you know, I've really enjoyed being around this group of men and, and, and our coaching staff and our players alike. Getting to eight wins, it's a big deal. Uh, did you acknowledge that with your guys? That I mean, getting to this point, I mean, teams would beg for a record like this. I think what you talk about is is that after 11 games to, to have eight wins, we put ourselves in a position to still have uh, meaningful football games and our goals ahead of us. And, and the way that we accomplish those big-picture goals are by taking it one game at a time. And I think you talk to our players, they believe that. They know that while yesterday was a great win and we don't ever take those for granted because of how hard they are to come by in this league, uh, it's about moving on to the next opponent and making sure that with that same focus and concentration we had going into the Saints game, uh, we give that much more to the Cardinals, knowing that it's one a division game, and again, it's a chance for us to try to get our ninth win, and, and that's what it's about going one to know this week. To set the foundation for the conversation throughout this hour this evening, can you give us the latest on the injury front? Yeah, you know, from an injury standpoint. Uh, unfortunately, Connor Barwin did break his forearm yesterday. He got surgery this morning at 8 a.m. Everything went well. They put a little plate in there to kind of stabilize it. And he's one of those guys similar to Robert Woods where you know they're going to do all the little things the right way and accelerate that healing process to be back sooner than, than what you might project. But he'll at least be out for a couple weeks. That's a big loss for us, not only for what he represents on the field from a production standpoint, but just uh, similar to what we've talked about with Robert, the leadership in that room, the way that you've seen him mentor Samson and how that's helped him progress but he'll be there still day in and day out you know he just won't be able to be on the field but uh, we'll anticipate him coming back sooner than later and, and we'll be a better football team when he does and then uh, some of the guys we were missing yesterday were optimistic that we'll be able to get Nikhil Roby back and then uh, uh, the arrows are up on Lance Dunbar and Malcolm Brown so th- those will those will be things that we'll update as the week progresses full complement of running backs That'd be good. You got more than you can handle, man. Hey, no, we don't. That'd be good. <laughs> we'll figure out a way to handle it. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we were uh, going over just watching film, um, pass protection. Watching what you did with your offensive line and your quarterback, I mean, having the trust to put that guy in the end zone after giving up a sack to throw a big play to get out of the end zone. Talk about your pass protection on Sunday. It was outstanding. You know, and I think uh, everybody will point to a couple plays maybe that we didn't make, but I think overall when you throw the football that many times, you give yourself a chance for some plays down the field, and I think it ended up resulting in a winning effort for us. Our offensive line has done a great job all year consistently protecting, and then, you know, you come away from that game, and there was a couple negatives we had in the past the past game as a result of some sacks, but, wow, is Cameron Jordan a, a you know he play. even better player than I thought. You know, you see him show up on tape, but to be able to have that sort of stand of that strength recognition, playing on the right and the left. Uh, he's got counters. He can really do it all, and I don't think you can fully appreciate what a good productive football player he is uh, unless you're kind of feeling him on that game day atmosphere. And while we sure, sure had a lot of respect for him going into it, uh, you know, I've got a lot more coming out of that yesterday just watching him compete snap in and snap out and being able to move around on the defense. Uh, just one superficial testament to how big that win was over the Saints, the fact that
night that the A-team for the CBS Broadcast Network was in town. <laughs> yeah. And obviously, uh, you and Tony Romo have been on opposing sidelines throughout your uh, your coaching career. What was it like to have him in your office and kind of going through the 2017 Rams with Jim Nance? Yeah, it was fun. You know, that was the first time I had met Tony before, but it was one of the first times I had gotten a chance to meet Jim. And those guys are football guys. And any time that you get to sit down and talk a little bit of ball and, uh, you know, I've always had a lot of respect for Tony and what he accomplished, you know, throughout his career and his understanding of the game. I told him, I said, be careful. I said, I, I listen to you do these Thursday nights. You know a little too much, man. You're, you could expose some people. So if you have a problem with some of my situational calls, don't say it. But he's, I mean, you watch him, you see why he's made such a seamless transition because he understands the game. I think he's got a nice way about uh, how to communicate it to a, to the viewing audience where it makes sense. And, and then you could see how much he enjoys it. You know, you can feel his enthusiasm and his energy and, uh, when you sit down and talk to him, you know, it's it's no different. And, and you know, I enjoyed being able to just talk a little ball with Tony and, and Jim. It was fun. Just give some credit to the defense every now and then, Tony, just once in a while. <laughs> well, we'll do that Thank tonight you. on the Thank Coach McVay Show. Little bit, little As bit. always, we'll start with offense. We'll break down some of the play calls, some of the touchdowns. Uh, but we'll definitely get to defense and special teams uh, and some of the heroic efforts that resulted in the 26-20 win over the Saints. It's the Week 13 edition of the Coach McVay Show, breaking down Goff, Gurley, and all the receivers next on ESPN LA. All right, welcome back to the Coach McVay Show, Week 13 edition, preparing for the Arizona Cardinals, but coming off a win over the Saints, and you just heard the first career touchdown reception for Josh Reynolds. So why don't we pick up the offensive conversation there? What made Josh a logical choice to replace some of the reps you lost with Robert Woods? Well, I think you look at just the way that he's played since he got here. You know, been a very productive player. He's a smart player, too, that has the ability to play a variety of spots for us in our offense. and. Great body control, uh, ability to, you know, kind of has a wide catch radius, good soft hands, and, uh, you know, he's a good separator. And I think, you know, Jared and him have a good rapport, very comfortable with each other. Made a handful of plays in the preseason when he did get his opportunities, and those are things that leave you confident. And he's continued to mature and grow. He's done some good things for Bones on special teams this year. And uh, yesterday, you could certainly feel game's not too big for him. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he played a, you know, he had a great career at A&M playing in the SEC. That's big-time college ball. And he produced week in and week out at that level. And uh, he's made a good transition, uh, continuing to figure out the nuances of that spot. But I think you look at the touchdown that he makes. You know, he catches one on a play-action crossing route. And then that third down and nine that he caught for 10 yards was as big a play as there was in the game for us offensively. So he's done a hell of a job. DeMarco, you talked about the production uh, with Coach McVay in the first segment. Obviously, that was a huge mm-hmm. part, almost four seconds to get that throw to Reynolds in the back of the end zone. Did Goff point him literally to the <laughs> spot where he wanted to catch that? He did. That was a great job by Jared. You know, they ended up playing a max. Max, uh, you know, they dropped eight into coverage and played kind of a two-deep look and rush three off of kind of a jam structure initially. And, um, you know, off-schedule plays versus some of those loaded zone looks are where you see teams end up converting in the red zone. And when you've got great protection, what I love that Jared did is sat in there, hitched in place, remained a passer, and then uh, Josh and him, kind of that visual communication, being able to kind of point him. He has some urgency to work the back end line, save himself a couple yards, and uh, Jared delivers a strike, and none of it's possible without that great pro up front. He's hard to miss in the field. He's he big. Is, That's he's a big, big receiver. He's a big, nice target. Uh, he's got, he, you know, he's a good communicator. I think from a receiver standpoint, certain guys have good way of communicating their body language to the quarterback where they make them easy targets. He's a long guy that also does a good job uh, communicating with his body language that I think you see, you know, he, guys talk about just being able to throw uh, to a player that's a friendly target. Yeah. I think Josh is a friendly target. I liked everything about that play except for the celebration. I don't know what the celebration was. I did want to ask about uh, any concern about being 37 
second in the NFL in touchdown celebrations. You know what? You know, we, could, we could work on our touchdown <laughs> celebration swag, but these are what we call champagne problems. I love it. I love it. First of all, Acting problem. like uh, you've been there for the most part. Yeah. Uh, the, in the second quarter, uh, there was a grounding call. Was that going to be a screen play? Yes, it was. Yeah. Uh, it was what happened on the play? It was just an audible yeah. at the line of scrimmage, and uh, you know, sometimes the plays sound similar, and that's where uh, you know yeah. I've got to do a better job of communicating that in some of those plays Todd would have that abort responsibility and then when it's a screen then obviously the quarterback's responsible for beating the secondary pressure with the screen to the back and just a little miscommunication right there and you know starts with me I've got to do a better job in that in that spot but uh, that that was what it was. It was initially set up to be a screen. Yes. Okay. Can I say that New Orleans defense did a pretty good job against your screen game? Oh, Is absolutely. That fair? Yes, okay. and I think um, you know, hats off to them. They, you know, you could see we've we've done a good job. Guys have executed those screen plays pretty well. It was something they were in tune with. You look at when we came back to something similar later. Uh, you know, their inside lineman peels off on and does a good job of grabbing Todd. And uh, you figure, okay, you're going to take that away. Well, then what can we do to, to complement some of those things? And that's why you want to make sure that you've got answers. If they're going to take this away, then what can we make them pay with? And I thought our players with some of the other things, the play actions, the different things on kind of that intermediate level uh, were, were productive plays that the guys ended up being able to execute. But, you know, New Orleans did a great job being able to take the screen game away for us, and we weren't very efficient in that area yesterday. But I think it's a credit to them being able to defend it well. Let's go back to the opening drive and second week in a row that you scripted a really nice trip down the field it was capped by what looked maybe a run pass option there with yeah, uh, Sammy Watkins absolutely. at the goal line it was you know we had kind of one of our best you know full flow runs down there and they presented a zero blitz structure Sammy's one-on-one and did a great job just initially kind of getting parallel at the line of scrimmage working an edge and then Jared delivers a good ball and aggressive hands to be able to run through it so it was a great way to cap off a good start do you relish during the week putting together those sequence I don't know if it's 12 15 plays whatever you have in your arsenal that you know are locked and loaded for Sunday, you know, I think that our players do such a good job that we've got a we've got a menu of plays that we know that we want to be able to get to. But very rarely do you say, "All right, these are your first and second priority calls," and you go right down that list. Mm-hmm. Even that, you know, that's a red zone call. So I think to be able to execute some of the priority calls, whether it be situational, I thought it was an outstanding job earlier in the drive. We face one third down. They go to a max drop eight coverage again. Jared kind of pulls the ball back where he's going to work Cooper Cup on a stick route. Resets to Todd. He makes the guy miss and ends up getting vertical for a positive gain. So those are the plays where a little bit different than what you're, you know, typically your first 15 are your normal first and second down, normal mm-hmm. field calls. But the third downs, the red zone, some of those situational things that you know you want to get to to see the guys execute the priority calls within that and then your priority first and second down calls. Uh, you know, hats off to those guys, and that's a great way to be able to start that game yesterday. I'm having a blast watching Jared Goff escape. Uh, he's he's quicker and faster than you think, and he's smart where he breaks. He is, yeah. and and I think you've got, you know, when you look at Jared, he's done a great job. That was something going even back to his days at Cal. I thought he was able to kind of extend some plays, big eyes down the field, and then it also takes guys working on the back end uh, when things do break down to have a plan, have some urgency to separate kind of in the flow of the play. He and Cooper Cup looking at that. Uh, then you look at yesterday, you referenced the Josh Reynolds first touchdown in a different way. Those are off-schedule plays. Mm-hmm. And when you've got a quarterback that can do that, uh, it makes you feel very good as a play caller and really as an offensive coaching staff because even if it's not exactly like we've drawn it up, good players have a way of making you right, and that's what our guys have done a handful of times throughout this season.
Wanted to touch on depth at the skill positions in a couple of different ways. One, you've been carrying extras throughout the course of the season, especially since Mike Thomas came back from his suspension. Is that kind of paying dividends now that you've experienced some injuries at those spots? And then secondly, spreading the ball around the way that Goff has all season. Not as much in Minnesota, much more what we've become accustomed to where every skill position player who comes in has to be respected as a threat. Sure. Yeah, I think you know the first thing is is that uh, when we set out to just kind of find our roster, you know, our coaching staff and Les and his staff, you know, we want to find what our best 53 are while still being mindful of having the right numbers at each spot when you do have to mm-hmm. uh, make adjustments for injuries. But that receiver position was one that we specifically felt really good about, uh, not to mention the draft picks, but then some of the free agent acquisitions, uh, you know, the trade with Sammy. Right. Uh, and then you got some good players that were in place here. You know, Mike Thomas, a young developing player that we feel like is going to be a really good player. Farrell Cooper going into his second year, Tavon Austin, being able to uh, do a variety of different things for us so that's a positive thing those guys that depth at that spot has been uh, extremely beneficial and valuable especially you know looking at yesterday and how those guys were able to step up and then when you just talk about spreading the ball around you do want to be able to do that and I think that's a credit to having a bunch of different playmakers uh, that you feel like you can get them the ball in their hands and they can uh, you know do a good job of creating with it after the catch or making some plays down the field and then when they do have to honor all five of your eligibles whether it be your backs tight ends receivers uh, it makes it a little bit more difficult to defend a little less predictable in terms of where the ball's going to go and I think that's a credit to Jared making good decisions and then the players that we do have uh, feeling confident that you know they can all produce at crunch time or you know whenever it is during the game I told you JB when I get that on defense that's when I rough your quarterback <laughs> well I'm out of options my only options is to rough the quarterback um, let's go uh, to the middle of the fourth uh, you have a chance to ice it I think you're up by 10 at that point yep. and Cooper Cup attempts a pass uh, what's your coaching point on that play? The coaching point. Him? So that was a play that we had been working for the last couple of weeks. It's looked good in practice. I think the first thing is is that we came into the game knowing that we wanted to be aggressive and attack and, and have a mindset that we were going to play to win the game, not afraid to lose it. And that was a play that we felt like could have had a good reward for us. They did a great job defending it, and I think you have the trust and confidence in Cooper that if Sammy's not there, if Tavon's not there on the intermediate crosser, uh, that he can throw it away and make a good decision and get us to a second and ten when we call it on first down. And that's exactly what he did. If you've seen him in practice the way he's throwing that, I can assure you that was a throwaway. That was not an attempt at Tavon Austin, uh, this guy can throw the football. If you go look at his college stats, he threw for about four touchdowns, mm-hmm. and you know he he can sling it. So yeah. that was a that was a smart throwaway, and that was a good decision by him because it was the only play. And you know you talk about uh, why was this a good play? It was the only play for us because nothing good can happen by forcing that ball. Throw it away. Let's live to fight another down. Wasn't you know it, it was a good job by them. Not a great look that I put our offense in, but. With the confidence we have and kind of the mindset going into it, it didn't work out, but we would do it again. I'm wondering what gave it away. I, I, mean, I think they did a good job of kind yeah. of just playing deep to short. It happened so quick, and you know, credit to the yeah. to the Saints defenders to, for being on the screws, and, and they were in good position there. Do you run the first one, the first hook and ladder, to almost set up the second one? Somewhat. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's usually you want to try to have some plays to complement it. There's a little bit difference because that one had Cooper starting out in the backfield where Tavon was kind of on the yeah. catch and flip. But uh, you want to try to give them some, some things that start out looking the same, see how they might react on the back end if it's going to be a, a, an effective look. And, uh, you know, they did a good job defending it, but. I thought uh, I thought it was going to work out. Otherwise, I would have called it. Right. Uh, we have one more question about uh, gadget plays, but we'll save that for audibles. It's a question from our audience. We want to save enough time for defense and special teams that help carry the day against the Saints, and we'll dive into that conversation as the Coach McVay Show continues from Thousand Oaks on ESPN LA.
All right, we continue with this week 13 edition of the Coach McVay Show. Welcome back to Cal Lutheran with DeMarco Farr. I'm J.B. Long and the head coach of the Rams, Sean McVay. We talked some defense and special teams here, recapping a 26-20 win over the Saints to take the Rams to 8-3. and uh, And, Sean, you held the Saints to a season-low 14 for, uh, first downs. And what stood out to me watching the game again today was the open field tackles at clutch moments, whether it was Barron or Ogletree were heard there. Uh, Kayvon Webster certainly along the goal line. These days in the NFL modern football, it's tough to practice tackling as much as DeMarco probably did back in his day. So to come up clutch in those moments is something else. It was huge, and I thought our guys flew around. And a lot of times you talk about defensively, uh, the great effort will make up for sometimes if there's a little bit of a lapse or an issue that, that's caused by something that an offense presents. And I think when you look at the effort, we always talk about breaking our effort up into three phases, burst, speed, and finish. And there was a handful of uh, great effort clips from our defense as a whole uh, on some of the third downs to be able to get those guys off. And then another play that really stands out is the fourth down that they hit Kamara. What a great open field tackle by John Johnson that was, where if he doesn't make that play, they score right there. Ends up leading to a great play by Mark Barron on the first down and then the third down Mm -hmm. open field tackle on Mike Thomas by Kayvon Webster. But, you know, those individual plays, you talk about make them snap it one more time, make them earn every blade of grass. And I thought our defense against a great offensive opponent did that yesterday, and and they were clutch. Playing with pride. I I mean, that's what I see. When I see guys making tackles like that, that's playing with pride. But the M.O., um, another long run given up. I mean, what is it about this defense? They respond after giving up a big play. They do, and and they're they're mentally tough. Uh, There was a situation right there where we had a, you know, we had a a built-in deal where wanted to be in a little bit different alignment up front and try to be, you know, a little bit more sound in terms of our gap integrity, but uh, they've got some pretty good players on their offense. They did a great job of being able to, you know, kind of get a hat on a hat. We got outgapped on the second level, and then Kamara's got the speed to be able to finish down the field, and uh, you talk about what an impressive player Cam Jordan is, and, and certainly you know you you looking on the other side when they're up offensively, and uh, Kamara is he's something, man. He he made a handful of plays where you know you got to just say that's a that's a pretty good play right there, my man. Uh, Les Snead told us that you were uh, pretty enamored with Kamara during the draft evaluation process. That he jumped off the tape at you. He he did. You know, we we knew that we felt good about our our running back with Todd, and, yeah. and kind of this was as we're getting into it, looking to see you know kind of that complimentary third down role, and he looked pretty good on his tape at Tennessee, and, <laughs> and, and now he's uh, he's making a lot of plays yeah. for the Saints. Coach Payton's doing a great job using him, and uh, very very impressed. He's he's an impressive rookie. Uh, the last time the Rams didn't force a turnover and won Week Nine, two thousand fifteen. Um, just saving those uh, those interceptions for another week, right? When, when you might need them a bit more. Positive outlook is those are PBUs, JB. Exactly. PBUs. So want to turn those into picks. Uh, but another good thing that we can work on and try to improve moving forward. Absolutely. I, I'm glad you said that. I was going to say chicken or the egg. Um, missed interceptions are big. At some point, you want to get your hands Especially on those. Especially off a Hall of Famer. Absolutely. Ooh. You yeah. want to get your hands on those. Those are tough to get. Those and, are tough to get. But I, but I do think, you know, you talk about uh, the, the response, and that's what we're most interested in is the response. And after we didn't get some of those turnovers that I know guys will tell you that they'd like to be able to get them, they didn't let it affect their ability to move forward. And, and that's, that's the biggest thing because – uh, throughout the course of a game, you know, DeMarco, there's going to be th- some things that don't always go the way that we want. 
Uh, but let's we, we either have a choice that we can let that thing compound or we can let it just be an outlier in, in, our, in our ability to respond and, and those guys specifically that didn't make those plays but uh, responded the right way are, are a big reason why I think we're sitting here and, and we found a way to get our eighth win. Earlier in the show, you talked about the, uh, the plate being inserted, Connor Barwin's fractured forearm. It sounds like that means that Samson Abukam will get a start on the road at Arizona. He had a sack for the second consecutive home game, I believe, yep. uh, against the Saints on Sunday. He did. He did a great job. That was a great rush right there where you see the long arm and then the strength to be able to finish. But he's, he's, he's a violent player. He's explosive. Uh, I think he's getting more and more confidence as he continues to make plays. He's been a big contributor for Bones. So... Uh, Samson is going to have a great opportunity to step in and, and fill in when Connor's not available. Mm-hmm. I think Connor's been a huge influence on him as well. You know, you look at the mentorship that he's provided and helped Samson grow and, and come along, and, and that's why you appreciate players like Connor so much. And, and, and this opportunity presents a chance for Samson to step up, get some more playing time, and uh, and then we'll, we'll we'll look to see. Uh, I think he's we're very confident in his ability to do that. Get after it, kid. It's your yeah. opportunity. Why not? Um, do you think Alec Ogletree is being – looked at or more eyes are on him in pass coverage now you know i don't i think that uh i think there's certain things that that offenses will want to try to attack week in and week out but when you look at alec oh, not I, from the offense the officials yeah no yeah. no no no. i was well what i was going to yeah. say is i think his ability to be able to handle a variety of things uh you sometimes you get some different matchups but his athleticism enables us to be able to feel confident whether it's a middle run through some of the lateral crossers where he's got to match different things he's gotten a couple but i think you know those guys just going into that game especially when you look at some of the things that occurred in the washington saints game before some of the things that have been brought to our attention with some weeks past a lot of man coverage principles that you see both defenses playing uh, where there's a lot of contact, and I think that was a point of emphasis that they came into that game with, and they were ready to call some of those uh, instances and issues where they felt like there might be some some personal, you know, you know, just some some interference deals or some illegal contacts. And on both sides, I think there were some calls. And uh, Alex, such a great athlete, and he's got such great lateral quickness and ability to turn and run that uh, we just talk about leave no doubt. You know, don't ever have to pull yourself through. Just stay in good fundamental position and technique, and and then you give them those chance to to even air on was it one was it not recapping a win over the saints with sean mcveigh here at the rams facility with demarco far and jb long let's get some uh, special teams time in here as well before we break for our segment uh pharaoh cooper and we affix his name to it but really there are 10 other guys on the field contributing to his returns whether they be punt or kick but he's giving you free first downs and setting you up in prime field position he's been outstanding you look at the first kickoff return of the game uh, a lot of great individual efforts there, not exclusive to Farrow, but, you know, Samson traps the safety on the backside. You know, you got Bryce Hager and Corey Littleton working. Uh, you got Marquis Christian. You got Derek Carrier. You know, you, you see a lot of good, t- good guys. Kevin Peterson playing on the front line, making a very difficult block to spring it. Uh, so there's a lot of guys that, that, that had a result in that outcome, but I think Farrow's ability to fearlessly press it, set things up, understand kind of the intent of it, which is a great job by Bones and Ty to be able to articulate that and then the players to be able to go get it done. Uh, those returns are huge. You know, the punt return, again, Mike Thomas uh, securing the backside contained player, so we're able to get down their right sideline. Uh, you look at what Blake Countess was able to do on the on the vice to be able to stop one of their gunners. Then it frees up Hatfield to be able to go find work. So uh, th- those guys compete so well a- a- as a group, and, and they've, they're they're led by a great leader in John Fossil, and uh, been been very fortunate to you know have those guys and, and seeing those key contributors week in and week out has definitely given our team a boost. Tell me you were breathing on the 63 yard field goal when Ted Ginn got his hands on the ball. Oh yeah, tell me no, you were breathing I, there. I, I, I was not. I told I I looked at uh, Whitworth and. 
and, and Hecker, I said, if this doesn't get there, you make sure that this does not go the other way. <laughs> and Whitworth gives you that confident look like I got it. And uh, you bet he, he and Johnny were both ready to be there as we knocked him out of bounds. But uh, any time that Ted Ginn's got the ball, especially in that type of situation, it felt like it was a long time until he got knocked out of bounds. It was. Would you put Zerline back out there for another 60-plus? I would, absolutely. Don't, don't uh, you know, if we're going to talk about process over results, you know, certain things do work out in our favor mm-hmm. where you say, ah, that was a lucky deal. That's a situation when you look at Greg, you almost take it for granted. He's 32 for 34 on the year. He just hits 49 and 46 yarders like it's, you know, like, like, mm-hmm. like they're chip shots, and, mm-hmm. and it's so effortless for him. But when you look at what he does week in and week out, uh, the confidence that you have, if you, if you had him line that shot up, uh, he's going to make it more times than he's going to miss it, and, and we feel very confident in Greg. And that was one that didn't work out for us right there, but I'd be willing to bet on Greg if he got another crack at it. And then take us through the in-game situation. Uh, we haven't had a chance to see the hands team out there since, I believe, week three at San Francisco. Yep. That's that's your fault for putting too many points on too many yeah, teams. Right. Uh, but here we go, and, and here's a chance uh, to call timeout see what they're doing and then they kick the other way and sammy's there and ready for it sure this time. yeah you know we wanted to get a look at their formation it was a great job by bones saying let's let's use one of these timeouts so we used it they ended up changing it up but i think when you look at just the overall execution you got five guys you're really going to be short just based on the numbers where there's going to be one free hitter uh i want to say we had you know you look at higby there's Bryce Hager, there's Corey Littleton, there's Blake Countess at the point of attack. All those guys did a great job Good being work. able to go get a hat on a hat. And then there's Sammy with the aggressive hands mm-hmm. to finish it off and knowing that he's going to get hit. And, man, their kicker hit that ball great. I mean, that was a great onside kick. But I think the overall execution by those guys, we knew, hey, we recover this, three knees, the game's over. Mm-hmm. And uh, they responded, and, and, and everybody handled it the right way, and it was a great job. I mean, when Sammy came down with it, I heard you guys breathe up in the booth. Yeah. <sighs> Oh, the whole stadium did the same thing. Yeah. Big moment. Big moment it was a big guys. moment, yeah. you know, to be able to close it out. You know, there's there's certain plays that, that close the game out and win it, and that was one of them. But I, I think it's emblematic of what you've brought to Los Angeles, and if I can pay this compliment, when there have been breakdowns, whether they were weeks ago or seven days ago, the next time around it seems like you button them up very well. Yeah, th- that's a credit to our coaches, you know, because you look at John Fossil, you know, after we, we won that game in San Francisco, his standards are so high for the expectations and the performance levels that – his groups have played at that you knew uh, the type of leader that he is that he's going to find a way to get it corrected get it fixed in a positive way the players will respond and uh, you know when that situation came up you look at the emphasis he's placed on it and, and a lot of confidence in, in our guys to execute and, and that starts with Bones being able to you know kind of get that thing corrected. All right three segments down two to go on the Coach McVay show week 13 edition a look ahead to the Cardinals still coming up but next it's audibles your direct line of the head coach on ESPN LA. DeMarco Farr, JB Long and Sean McVay with you in Thousand Oaks. Let's dive right into Audible's Your Questions through social media to the head coach of the Los Angeles Rams, Sean McVay, and we'll let Brad Mater kick this one off. Uh, looking back on the win over the Saints, coach, in a game that had a ton of highlight reel plays, what are a few that won't show up on a highlight reel that stuck out to you? He adds his would be Todd Gurley blocking 15 yards downfield to help spring Tyler Higby for a few extra yards late in the third quarter. That was that was a great play by Todd. You know, you look at it, Higby kind of fighting through an ankle injury. Great job by Jerry to be able to get through that progression uh, where th- where Higby's kind of his third option on that, but then you watch the way that Todd competes without the ball in his hands, and that, that's what makes Todd a special player. Ends up peeling that block, you know, on a guy that's getting ready to make the tackle, and it, that ends up help springing Todd, you know, it springs Tyler for probably an additional 12 to 15 yards. But those are some of the plays. I think when you look specifically defensively, uh, the John Johnson play on the fourth down really stands out to you. Another play that might go unnoticed, but uh, it was a second down and 10, 
and Alec Ogletree recognizes a formation where they had a screen set up to Ingram where mm-hmm. they were backed up. Uh, kind of, it happened on their sideline. They try to set up a little screen. Alec Ogletree makes a call to, to Robert Quinn. Those guys being on the same page where he's kind of ready to peel off and lend some presence on the back. And then you look at it and there's a dead play and he's got to throw it at Ingram's feet. And now they're in a third down and 10. Those types of plays where that communication from the preparation, uh, throughout the course of the week with coaches and players and then it leads to the success on the field. Those are the things that get you excited. I think offensively, when you look at a couple plays, I thought Todd Gurley did a great job down the stretch of being able to make a handful of tough plays but I think when you look at that last drive when we're able to get some first downs they had been playing in some heavy man coverages we run a little kind of fake jet sweep flip toss action to Todd he does a great job but then when you watch Whitworth you watch the way Sammy Watkins competes without the ball in his hands you watch John Sullivan with urgency skinny through when he's got a guy over the top of him a three technique he runs it by just enough for Todd Gurley to put his foot in the ground on second and 10 get 11 yards Jamon Brown's hustling on the backside being smart where he could peel back or he could kind of just get out in front uh, where it's kind of a rip-by type block as opposed to a crack back where now you're not leaving yourself susceptible to getting calls. And those are the types of plays where it takes all 11, and that's what makes this game so special is, is this the greatest team sport there is, and, and you got to rely on everybody to execute. And when guys do that, uh, that's fun. On that Higby play, did I see Havenstein throw his body around? In protection. Oh yeah, yeah. To make a nice block. Yeah, no, yeah. those guys. Is that the same play. Th- th- there was, there was, a, there was one that was later on. Yeah. You're talking about where on the on the uh, pi. Yeah, that we got that's Sammy the down the field where uh, Cameron Jordan gets a great rush, and you look at it, and it was a great job by Rob. He kind of feels it, and he goes and peels a hit off of Jared. That one in particular, you look at Saffold's on the pole action. He continues to demonstrate great athleticism and, and just overall instincts on those types of plays. But the one you're talking about was when we ended up getting, I want to say it was like a 40-yard PI or 50-yard PI with Sammy down the field uh, on the pass interference when we took a play-action shot. All right, next question in audibles. Robert Schaefer checks in. Even though the cut play didn't quite work out, we talked about it. Cooper Cup throwing his first passes ram. What is your favorite outside the box play, be it from high school, college, or pro, that did work that you can share with us? Yeah, I would say, um, you know, when I was in Washington a few years ago, we were actually playing the Patriots. And, um, you know, I was just a part of the offense, and we put in a little kind of reverse one back power action. We flipped it to Brandon Banks. And uh, he threw, he was a lefty. He's, he's doing a great job returning kicks in the, in the uh, CFL now. And he threw a, a touchdown pass to Santana Moss. I, I, gosh, when was that? That would have been 2011. You know, so that was a fun trick play that you were a part of. I know just watching from afar and, and seeing some of the things that I've seen Jay do with Sanu. Sanu throws a touchdown pass right. yesterday when he was in Cincinnati. He used him in a variety of different ways, but... Cooper had a handful of big-time plays in college. That won't be the last time you see him throw a pass. We're not going to let that skew <laughs> us, and, 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 you know, we're not going to let that be the only time we'll attempt a trick play with Cooper. Uh, Anthony Dia asks, what do you think, uh, my, or why do you think Michael Brockers is having such an amazing year, even though he's rarely talked about? Yeah, uh, well, he sure has talked about a lot in I our bet. building, so we sure appreciate what Michael's done. Michael's a great player, and I think he's uh, got a great understanding of what's going on in the system, the way that we're utilizing him. Wade is a special coach, so is Billy Johnson, and when you've got a great player, uh, conscientious, he's being he's around good players and he's around good coaches that are kind of putting him in good spots, and then he's able to execute. Uh, that's that's when you get the results that you're seeing. But Mike is a guy that we certainly don't take for granted here. I think he's influencing and affecting games as much as anybody. And you look at just the combination of he and Aaron inside, and they're playing really good football together. Who sent that question in? That was. 
Anthony Diaz. Because he obviously doesn't listen to our broadcast. We always talk about Michael Brockers. Well, you are his, I think, personal champion. Of course. Yes. Thank, there, thank you. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Yogi Roth nice. has a question about Jared. Uh, biggest area of growth from a recognition standpoint of defenses from spring to where we are now in the season? I think it's just the experience. You know, as far as recognizing defenses, you know, I think each week entails a different variety of coverages that you're going to see based on the, the defense that you're playing. Some in this league play a little bit more regulated coverages, and it's predicated on fundamentals technique. Some guys will mix it up. And I think situationally, uh, that also does come into a, to effect. When you look at some of the third down known passing situations, people mix it up really well. Some of the early downs are when you're more likely to get a little bit more regulated looks. But I think just his overall ownership of the game uh, in our offense in terms of what we're trying to get done, he truly has become an extension of our coaching staff. I think when you talk about understanding the intent of these plays that we're running, why are we running this, not just what is this, uh, that's when you give yourself a chance to execute at a high level. But I think just the experience that he's gained and then being receptive to correcting from some of the things we have to be better and then also kind of putting those things in the bank for when I've done a good job on it, let's make sure when I see this again I'm able to execute at a high level as well. So you see the confidence growing. You see the ownership. You look at the amount of times we threw it yesterday, and that's a credit to the confidence we have in Jared. On to the next Audible. It's your direct line to the head coach, Sean McVay. We had a couple questions along these lines. We'll attribute to Blue Blood Rams and Calvin Ward. Both curious about tight end usage in the red zone. They saw you do it a lot in Washington, maybe not as much yet here with the Rams. Yeah, I think, you know, it's not necessarily exclusive to position. It's whatever we feel like is going to be the best way to try to score points and have a lot of confidence in in Tyler and Gerald and Derek Carrier. But we got some good players. I think we've been able to run the football pretty well, and we've had a lot of red zone trips, but dependent upon whatever you know the defense presents uh, and I think your personnel matchups come into play but uh, I wouldn't say it's anything different about one place or the other it's just you know on each week what do we feel like is the best way to, to try to score touchdowns and and where guys are at those spots and, and what that you know requires from a progression standpoint from Jared. Steve in the OC any method you'll use this week to remind the team to avoid a letdown in Arizona it seems like a perfect trap game especially with the Eagles coming to town in two weeks. Yeah I think it's tough to talk about any trap game after you play a great division opponent uh, like like the Cardinals and they're coming off a, a win against a team that was as hot as anybody in the league with the Jaguars that's a great team that they beat yesterday uh, they're a tough they're a, they're a very tough well-coached football team and uh, there's no such thing as trap games there's there's games that if you aren't ready in this league no matter who you're playing you get humbled very quickly and while we feel good about uh, the Saints win if we're not ready to go with that same level of focus and concentration uh, we will get embarrassed at Arizona and and I think our players know that they respect that this week is going to require a great week of preparation to put ourselves in position to try to go get our ninth win uh, going on the road in an atmosphere like Arizona just having been there uh, uh, on the other end, when I was with the Redskins, very tough atmosphere. They do a great job with their crowd. And uh, like I said, you guys know the respect that I have for Coach Arians and, and his coaching staff. The Cardinals look a lot different than when we saw them in London, too. We can dive into some of that in our final segment. Uh, speaking of atmosphere, Michael Zaremba wants to know, how does the crowd interaction feel at the Coliseum from field level, if you're able to take any time to notice it at all? Yeah, it, it, it felt like it was a great atmosphere yesterday. And we, we appreciate the fans coming out to support the guys and I know they enjoy that and they appreciate that, and certainly we do as well. Once the game starts, you're pretty locked in, and, and you try to make sure that you're focused on the game. And uh, you know, I think sometimes if if you have a tendency to notice too much, you probably hear them booing and saying bad things about me when I make a bad play call. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> you might even hear it from Denmark if you believe it or not. Oh. Mark Christensen starts us off with a great win and congratulations and greetings from uh, the Danish Rams fans. But curious, why so pass heavy with a ten point lead? Yeah, I think. Uh, Good question. 
uh, we, we talked about attacking and being aggressive. And when you look at the respect we had for that offense, while we have a lot of confidence in our defense, we definitely wanted to play to try to win the game, not being afraid to lose it, and, mm-hmm. and the confidence we had in our players to be able to execute it. And then they also presented a lot of, you know, Coach Allen, I think he's done a great job this year, and they presented some looks where uh, you're smashing your head against the wall sometimes if you want to run it versus those loaded boxes. And we felt like the best thing to do was to kind of uh, protect, trust those guys up front, and trust Jared's decision-making and our ability to separate with our receivers as the most efficient way to try to keep our defense off the field, keep the clock running, and move the football. And uh, in a lot of instances, the the players made us right on that. Well, thanks to all of you for taking the time on social media to submit your questions for Audible. Several more we did not get to, but try us again uh, next week. And next week brings another road trip to Arizona. We'll dive into the Cardinals in our final segment of the Coach McVay Show Week 13 edition here on ESPN LA. Welcome back to Thousand Oaks in the Rams facility with DeMarco Farr, a Super Bowl champion. I'm J.B. Long, the head coach of the Rams. Sean McVay is with us for our final segment, a preview of a trip to Arizona to take on the Cardinals. The Cardinals come Coming off a 27-24 win over Jacksonville to improve to 5-6. and six. Uh, Sean, this is our first rematch of the season uh, with you. But in some respects, it's, it's like a different Cardinals group, especially at some key skill position plays, uh, s- spots offensively. Yeah, they've got some different guys in there. But you know, like we've talked about, you look at the production that a Bruce Arians-led offense has week in and week out. I think you look at the performance that Blaine Gabbard had yesterday against a very good defense, or a great defense from the Jacksonville Jags. Uh, they're they're going to be a tough matchup. Adrian Peterson, you got Larry Fitzgerald, you know, two future Hall of Famers and uh, guys that can make plays all over the field. They got great speed at the receiver the receiver position, and um, you know, each week presents a new challenge. Uh, we did play them in London, but but you like you said, you know, they're they're a different team now. They got some different guys, and then uh, you know that they'll be ready to go uh, playing at home. I wonder how much can you take away from their last game against Jacksonville because Jacksonville's offense is completely different than yours. So I guess their package against is going to be different than what they're going to use against you. I think so. You know, I think what you got to look at is are there some personnel groupings and some situational things that, that might match up because there are still, while it is different, there are some similarities week in and week out that you can always pull from. But uh, certain teams present better film for you to be able to evaluate and kind of anticipate what – you know, they might want to try to do to defend us, but it's, it's also a good reference point to be able to have, you know, a game against them already. Certainly they'll be ready to adjust, uh, both Coach Betcher and Coach Arians and, and some of the things that, that they'll be ready to do to attack us. But, uh, just like that, we, you know, we've got to be ready to adjust and adapt our plan as well and, and get ready for a great challenge. We've heard you in the past break the season into quarters, right? And yep. three and one has been the pattern through two quarters, and it's available to you again this week with a chance to make the fourth quarter something really special. Yeah, it is. And, and we talk about that. You know, the first two, like you mentioned, we're three and one. Uh, we end up getting the result that we want. That'll set us up to, to finish the third quarter three and one. And uh, just like in a normal regular season game, it's about finishing. And uh, right now we're kind of down the back stretch, but it's about making sure that with our 12th game coming up here, uh, we do a great job of trying to go one and oh this week. And, and that's going to be the focus and, and the mentality of our players as well. You don't read the paper, but it's nice to see when you turn on the TV people are talking about the Rams. This is where you want this team to be. I think so. You know, if you, that's what we said even at the beginning of the year. Hey, uh, you know, what you love so much about the NFL, great coverage, a lot of media coverage. You want nice things to be written, let's go win football games. And if not, then uh, we're not going to have nice things written about us. So uh, it's good. You're happy for the players because they've done a good job. And like I've said, you know, you sound monotonous, but I do believe that we as an organization, we as a coaching staff, as you know, as a team, believe that our best chance to, to put ourselves in a position to go one and zero this week is by taking things one day at a time, and I think that focus, that mindset, and mentality has served us well through these first eleven weeks, and that's something that we're going to hopefully continue on, uh, you know, moving towards the latter half of the season. 
I know Blaine Gabbard is more of Wade Phillips' concern for this week specifically, but any thoughts on him as a player and how different he is in style and approach than maybe Carson Palmer, who you saw in London? He's a different player. One of the things about Blaine, though, is he's a great natural thrower of the football. When he's got a clean pocket, he can move. I think he's a much better athlete than people give him credit for, too. I think back to even a couple years ago when he's playing for San Francisco. They, I want to say they were playing Chicago, and I remember watching him put his foot in the ground and run for like a 40-yard touchdown. So He did it against, uh, uh, San, against the Rams. In, in Monday You've Night Football. Yeah, yeah, last yeah year. exactly. So he, he's got some athleticism for the position. Uh, got a great twitch. He's, got a, he's a natural thrower of the football. And just like anything else, we've got to do a great job of trying to create some pressure and, and rush on him, move him off his spot, and, and kind of try to affect and influence uh, some of those things that uh, he does a good job of when they protect him. Have you gushed over Larry Fitzgerald yet? Hmm. Can you do it now? Just yeah, for a second. Unbelievable. Yeah. He's the epitome. He's one of the guys that's the epitome of what's right about this league. When you've got a great football player, great human being, does it all. Uh, there's no weaknesses in his game. He can go down the field. He can run the screens. He's got some of the best hands in the history of this league. He blocks. He competes without the ball. Not to mention he's probably a better person from everything that I've heard about him. And I think that's one of the things that's so unique and, and been so great about uh, having the opportunity to be in this role is after that game you go seek him out and, and you get a chance to just talk to him let him know how much you respect his game uh watching his film over the last handful of years so um my respect for for larry is is uh very very high he got fined for blocking recently they've tried to eliminate so much saying, of what he, he's he such really? a violent he blocker yeah yeah i mean that's a complete guy that's yeah. a receiver right you know what that's yeah. maybe that's why he signed another your contract <laughs> right. extension to come make that back <laughs> right. even at uh 48 or whatever he is oh yeah tremendous guy he's a stud absolutely you mentioned the environment there um you've been there previously so have we but uh is there kind of a a reservoir of experience now having come off of minnesota and some of the other places you've won dallas jacksonville uh, that this team is building off of especially with the young quarterback on the road anytime you have experience those are great opportunities to learn from and, and make sure that some of the mistakes that we've made that i've made as a coach uh you try to avoid moving forward but Anytime you go on the road in a tough atmosphere where the cadence is an issue, some of the verbal communication isn't available at your disposal, uh, you got to do a great job offensively being able to handle the poise, making sure that that's not a reason why you don't play as efficiently. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's, it only affects you as much as you allow it to. You, it, those are elements that we are going to have to deal with. Uh, but those are those are great opportunities to to kind of try to challenge yourself to to handle the visual communication and the, with the right you know mindset mentality. Real quick, do you write your mistakes down so you can go back and look at them like yeah, later on? Yeah, they're written down right here, right in your head. Okay. No, I write them down. Do you? you don't, okay. Yeah, you, those are, those are the ones that stick with you a little bit longer. <laughs> and just uh, how do you get better from? writing those things down i think you 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 remember them and then you go back i one of the things that i think our coaching staff does a good job of is uh self-scouting you know we we do a lot of opponent scout but as long as you're able to not lose sight of self-scouting and making sure you're aware of some of your tendencies or mistakes that you've made after every single game we do what we call an after action review and that's what it what went right what didn't go right what can we do and that's really kind of something that they do in the military after missions and things like that Hmm. Uh, an after-action review, and, and, and that's where you're able to critically analyze uh, the way that you approached it. Were there mistakes in our preparation? Were there some things within the framework of the game that we got away from the initial plan? What are the things that came up we didn't prepare for? And I think that helps you uh, critique yourself in a manner that allows you to move forward and, and try to hopefully avoid making the same mistake twice, and, and that's a big part of it. Don't know that we can finish on a better, more informative note than that. So thank you, DeMarco. Thank you, Coach McVay. Good luck this week in your preparation for Arizona. Thanks, guys. We'll see you on the road. Appreciate and thank you that. for being with us. For the Coach McVay Show, live from Thousand Oaks on the ESPN LA 710 Rams Radio Network.